Hello and welcome to another episode of Stolen Droids Presents. I'm Zook, I have Zoner here, and together we have the beautiful, the wonderful, the talented Miss Stephanie Thorpe. Stephanie, go Hello. ahead and say hi to the... Yeah. Hi everyone, it's great to talk to you. Now, oh, we should clarify, we actually had the pleasure of meeting... Uh, you before normally how this works is that we reach out to people we talk to them for a bit we get them on for an interview and then if we're lucky we get to meet them in real life but it was quite the opposite here we actually kind of serendipitously fell into each other if you will yeah. and got to meet each other first absolutely it was it was very very much serendipity um we were all in vegas for the same but different things and i think everything collided uh i was there for uh ces and the New Media Expo and the IAWTV Awards. And all those things were going on overlapping at the beginning of the second week in January. Uh, and we were introduced by the fabulous and uber-talented Kristen Nowak, who I speak with on panels um, at various Comic-Cons or cons, um, and that panel is called Geek Girls Create. So you can imagine what the topics are. Now, our longtime listeners may recognize that name. She was uh, Stolen Droids Present number three, I believe, or four. <laughs> She's one of our more popular ones. So, yeah, it was quite literally, uh, we got to meet Miss Nedipak finally, and uh, she said, oh, my gosh, you have to talk to my friend here. Talk to my friend and get her on your show. So we did, and we are, and we are just thrilled to have you. Oh, thank you. That just makes me blush. Um, uh, Kristen and I, uh, when we met each other, it was instant kismet. Uh, she and I, I'm going to go a little geeky astrolo uh, astrology horoscope-wise on you here. She and I are both the same sign. We're both Aries, so we're fiery and headstrong and tenacious and all those things, and, uh, and we just really clicked. Um, in fact, I seem to work a lot with Aries women. Uh, my other producing partner for ElfQuest, Paula Rhodes, is also an Aries. No, so we'll I, I hope that's okay. Later. I hope that's okay because I'm a Leo and I'm not a, a a woman either. So no, but that means I think we get along great because we're both fireflies. You're just a lot more vain and proud. <laughs> yeah, that's about yes. right. <laughs> Did I sum it up? <laughs> I, I'm a and what are you, sir? I, I'm a Sagittarius. Does that mean I like to shoot things with a bow? It does, and you are also a fire sign. So this is going to be a very combustible little chat Ooh. we're going to have here. Sweet. I like fire. We should, we should probably do the uh, do the charts for all of our other normal panelists, too. It would be horrible for an entire panel of fire. Um, now, you know, and I have to say, just as a side, astrology is something that, as a kid, I used to geek out of, like, really geek out about, because, for me, it was about space and looking up at the stars, and I really loved Greek mythology and all, all of that, and the idea of there being constellations and the stars and the stories behind them and applying to that, I think it's a, I, I really find it interesting. Um, do I believe in it? Uh, no. But do I find it really neat and cool? Absolutely. And it's a great way to sort of speak in shorthand with other people who find that really interesting. And so Kristen and I really jived over that once we figured it out. <laughs> now, you mentioned very briefly here, and I want to go back to it, because uh, I, I freaked out. I was talking with you when we met in Vegas. Oh, that's really great. You did this, you did this, you did this. You did ElfQuest, and I remember I might have freaked out at you a little bit. <laughs> in a good way. You freaked out in a good way. Um, it's, uh, it's incredibly validating when uh, somebody recognizes that I was involved in that, that wonderful uh, series, 
and uh, that so to find a fellow fan who loves ElfQuest, first of all, and there are lots of us out there, um, but it's always great when you connect with somebody, um, and that you remembered the fan trailer that myself and Paula Rhodes uh, did uh, was really wonderful. So. Now, for our listeners who may not know, um, and, and they're out there. ElfQuest was a comic book series that started in 78, mm-hmm. uh, so before I was even born. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it comes from the, uh, the married couple, uh, Wendy and Richard Peeney. And it's one of the few comics that was self-published, and then it was Marvel, then it was self-published again, and then it was DC. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's actually the... crossed both camps. Exactly. It's one of the few that has been published by both. And yeah. self-published, yeah. Yeah, and they, they were publishing, I mean, it was going up until 2007. It's yeah. one of the longest continuously running, and I want to say it was one of the first that was serialized in magazines as well. So uh, it, it's, it's out there. Uh, it's not one of the more known titles, but it follows the, uh, the story of a tribe of elves that go around and meet other tribes of elves as they try and reconnect their lands. And I'm going to be completely honest here, I wasn't a fan. I had no huh? clue about this entire this entire culture, this entire series, I didn't know anything about it until your trailer. So when you say it's great to meet other fans, in truth, you made me a fan. I think that might be the highest compliment uh, that you could give me. (laughs) Um, It's been been such a wonderful, wonderful journey for us to um, meet other people who enjoyed the series. Both Paul and I came to it as little girls, and I'll tell you that story. Um, And then, but to know that what we made vaulting off a series that really inspired us to go into the entertainment field and um, really taught us what it was to be heroines as little girls. Um, it's just fantastic to know that we have made new fans out of it, that we get to share something that we love um, with people and have them you know, connect with it is great. And uh, that's what we're working on now is trying to bring ElfQuest um, to a larger and larger audience while still doing right by the fans. Ooh, tricky. So. <laughs> I, I can imagine that using the web for something like that really helps. I mean, again, you made me a fan, and that's uh, I, I started reading it. And by the way, I'll put a link in the show notes. But listeners, all issues of ElfQuest are available free online from the Peony Zone site, so you can read through the entire back catalog for free online. But I became a fan five years after they ceased publication, and that says Ooh. something that that people are able to go in and make a trailer like you guys did. That, that fans, I mean, you guys did it professionally, too, but you did it because you're fans. Yeah, we, um, we connected about it. Um, Paula and I knew each other um, from the web producing space. We're both actresses and producers, and we knew each other. Um, but when I was up in uh, Vancouver, Canada, where I grew up, you're talking to Connect now, um, uh, I was going through all my old stuff in my room as I'm wont to do, a little bit of Dragonlance here, my old Star Trek novels there, and uh, I posted a panel um, of ElfQuest on Twitter and said, ElfQuest, anyone, one of my favorite panels. And my Twitter feed blew up with people being like, oh, I love this. What is this? That's beautiful art, et cetera. And, uh, and Paula was in that mix, and we just sort of started jokingly casting everyone back and forth that we, actresses that we knew who looked remarkably like the character, for example, Cassie Barron, we cast as Dushine, and, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. And uh, we were joking around, and then we were like, you know what? We actually produce professional stuff, maybe we should have coffee and discuss it, and uh, we did, and, and uh, that's sort of the genesis of how 
the trailer got made, but um, to sort of come back to where you started, there are new fans coming to this property every day. Um, the site that you mentioned where all the comics are available to read is elfquest.com, and uh, that gets about uh, approximately 10 million uh, hits a month um, reading uh, all their stuff, and uh, there hasn't been anything new in print, as you mentioned, since 2007, except for this year, where um, it releases uh, 24 hours ahead of time on Boing Boing. Um, Wendy and Richard are doing, have started the prologue to the final quest, um, and it's being released weekly, a page at a time, on Boing Boing, and then goes to fquest.com after that. Um, and after the prologue, of course, there will be new um, issues of the final quest uh, coming, and uh, and a big announcement about that um, coming up as well uh, that uh, is uh, done, but I cannot speak of. And that's really exciting. That's <laughs> <laughs> very exciting. We're, and uh, can't wait to have everyone hear about that. We're now on the inside track. You hear that, Zoner? Exactly. I, I, feel, I feel awesome right now. Now, I, I have a quick question <laughs> for you. Uh, now, yeah. do, you, do you work with, with Wendy and Richard Peeney at all? Uh, have you, like, did you consult them as you went in going, say, um, hey, I'm going to make this awesome trailer? Or did you just kind of go ahead and do it and get attention for it? Um, well, it was, it, was a bit, it was a bit of both. Um, I am absolutely um, proud to say that, uh, you know, I know them now well, we know them now well, and, uh, and they're just absolutely wonderful, delightful people who have made this fantastical world. And uh, how that came about is, uh, you know, Paula and I had I had encountered the, the comics as, as little girls and, uh, you know, we came, came back to in our teenage years and, and then in college and it was something we sort of always paid attention to and uh, we weren't reading that, but, you know, we didn't start as they came out, obviously. We were, I was eight, I think, and she was seven, so quite young. And uh, when it came to time to this coffee meet, um, I had met them briefly at a convention. Paula had met them a little more extensively um, during a panel at a convention. And uh, through the magic of the interwebs and social media, she um, was like, you know what, uh, I'll, I'll send them a Facebook message, et cetera, to feel out how, how they feel about the idea of us doing a trailer. Um, and so we started chatting with them, and uh, they were incredibly supportive. We crowdfunded uh, the trailer for about $10,000 on Indiegogo, um, which is a great site to raise funds, um, Kickstarter being, you know, the other sort of big one, and, um, which is also wonderful. And uh, so they, in fact, Wendy donated original art as part of the incentives and perks wow. during our Indiegogo campaign. And uh, they came to set when we were shooting, which, uh, and we shot the trailer in in Los Angeles, um, at uh, a tiny little, uh, just over the hill, there's like a secret hidden Boy Scout camp, and uh, we, uh, oh, you know, that was our location, and we picked it because it had a little bit of desert, a lot of forest, um, that could be the, the Holt and Soros End and all the sort of different areas for the go-backs and, and et cetera, and the gliders. And, uh, and so they came and visited on set, and uh, Paul and I agreed that one of the most magical moments of that was Wendy and Richard being on set and I was directing a scene that Paula was in. She plays Nightfall and she was with Karen Southern who plays Tamine who is one of the elder elves um, and we into the trailer we tried to put in iconic panels 
um, and sort of recreate that live to a certain extent. Um, so we were doing that. Um, and uh, as that was happening, we both looked over at Wendy and Richard, and they were overclamped and teary, and that made us teary. And to be able to, it, it was just, it was absolutely magical to know we were giving back something to a series or celebrating a series that, that gave us so much, too. Well, I, I fan, really, I fan out a little bit there. So. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really, it's it's almost the highest form of paying tribute to uh, uh, to to something that was so influential to you and to a couple who gave so much into the series, who gave the world that wonderful thing. Now, I should uh, also clarify to the listeners, in case you're wondering about the sound issue here, you'll notice that uh, Steph might be going in and out of what we know as the wormhole. She's actually, uh-huh. we're, we're calling you on the phone. This is a first yeah. for us. Uh, mm-hmm. You are up in Vancouver. Now, did you mention you are working on something right now? or? Oh, I'm actually in Los Angeles now. Vancouver. Oh, was no. Where, yes. So, but that might be mm, cell phone going in and out. I thought I was uh, in an area that had good coverage. So. Well, we do this over Skype, too. So it's all, it's all mirrors and magic to us. Yeah. Well, I was I was traveling back to Los Angeles, and my concern was I was not going to necessarily be able to be in one place for um, our chat. Well, so. I we do appreciate this time for, with you. Um, now, what else have you been in? I mean, I mean, the web world really knows you for ElfQuest, but you've been in quite a few other things too. Um, yeah. I um, well, I um, like I said, I started as an actress. I actually started. Uh, doing theater up in Canada, uh, a lot of Shakespeare. And uh, then I moved into film and TV, um, and I found that I liked creating my own work. It can be very frustrating for an Aries to wait for the phone to ring. Um, And so um, I started producing, and I did a number of uh, short films and a couple of features that I produced up in Canada um, before I moved down to Los Angeles. And uh, since then, I have been acting on screen and producing behind the camera. Um, Some of my favorite things most recently um, is uh, just for the, not just for the gaming thrill, but um, one of my favorite series that I did actually on the web is called Night of the Zombie King. And that was with um, David Nett and Shannon Nelson and a whole wonderful team of people, Andrew Deutsch. Um, And that was about uh, a group of uh, now adults uh, adults who come back together, a group of friends, uh, they never finished their big D&D campaign at the end of high school due to, you know, emotions and politics and all that kind of stuff. So they have a reunion to finish that game. Um, and uh, uh, David, the creator, likes to call it the big chill for nerds. And uh, and I play the girl in the group. Um, and, uh, and it's a very lovely uh, series that explores growing up and you know, heartbreak and betrayal and all that kind of stuff that we all go through and uh, put into our games when we do them. So, um, there's Quite that, often we I, go through them with D&D campaigns, actually. Mm-hmm. Very much. Yeah. And uh, uh, so that, that was, uh, you know, that's a series that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, I produce and guest star in a series called Shelf Life, um, which is a live-action raunchy comedy, um, mature subject matter there. Um both in language and content, a little bit, nothing too racy. Um, and that's about uh, four action figures on a shelf. Um, and there is it's a wonderful cast uh, and that's also produced uh, and starred in by Tara Platt and Yuri Lowenthal. And you can find that at shelflifeseries.com. And uh, yeah, just really been a delight. The fourth season of that 
will be coming out um, in the next couple of months. So, and that's we were up for best costumes at the IAWTV Award for that series. Yeah, I I gotta say, shelf life is absolutely hilarious. Um, oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> I, I you know it, it's funny too because I, I being a nerd. I have a lot of toys, a lot of action figures, mm-hmm. and before um, my toy room was overtaken by a crib, um, I just had shelves with toys everywhere, and my wife That's hated awesome. going in because they all looked at her. There were so many sets of eyes that would look at her, <laughs> and so to watch shelf life, you know, it, it makes you wonder. Do those toys, you know, it's kind of like Toy Story for adults without the exactly. without the heart strings being pulled like Toy Story tends to do. Um, yeah, I don't think I ever cried watching Shelf Life. Um, well, but, just wait for this next season. We'll see if we can choke you up a little bit. Uh, <laughs> you've well, we, you've no, challenged we her. It, we keep it funny. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really well done. I, I've enjoyed it a lot. But yeah, I, I can really relate to that series just because... I've looked up on my shelf. In fact, my desk at work, there's so many eyes looking back at me. It's it's really mm. it's it's I probably need help. I, I probably need <laughs> I, some know, sort of therapy. I uh, uh, maybe I, I think there are a lot of us out there that would need therapy because uh, I I mean some of the most delightful experiences that that I can recall is like going into a room of of a collector who has all the action figures that I would love to play with or if I could afford, love to own and display. And, uh, you know, what my favorite Christmas was as a little girl, my dad bought me oodles and oodles of um, Star Wars action figures and put them in the Darth Vader case so that when I opened the case, they were all in there. And I think there's a photo of the the shock on my face of getting to play with all of those. And uh, just recently, uh, a friend of a friend, a good friend of mine, uh, I got to see his recording studio, and he has his entire recording studio in his home um, lined with all the ac- all the action figures you could possibly imagine organized according to Marvel, DC, Lord of the Rings, like all, all the Star Wars, all the Star Trek, ships hanging from the ceiling, and he is a voiceover actor, and he, he calls it action figure soundproofing, and he uses them to soundproof the walls of the room, and it's fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. So, I probably <laughs> just, need a little bit of action figure therapy too. Between that just and, sounds like, awesome. <laughs> it's amazing. Th- it's amazing. I um I should send you photos, and uh, I should shout out his link and stuff like that. He's an incredibly talented guy, Gavin Hammond, and uh, and his room just blew my mind. Blew it. And of course, he uh, had like the Scarlet Witch, who's one of my favorites, and uh, it was just incredible. I think it's probably safe to say that anyone who doesn't get action figures probably looks at the rest of us like we need therapy. Probably. But I, I know I, my wife know, does. <laughs> but I, I think everyone has something. And that's what I think is what's really wonderful about you know our geek and nerd culture coming more mainstream is the term geek has changed. You know, it's something we use as a ver- we use more as a verb now. You can be a geek about football and geek out of over that. That's a different kind of of fandom, and uh, it's it's really wonderful. You know, to to watch people get you know, passionate and excited about whatever their niche is. So you know, the football fan might look at you and think you need therapy, and maybe we secretly think the same thing about their you know fantasy football league, um, or not so secretly. 
anybody. <laughs> I was about to say I'm pretty public. I'm pretty out there about how much I think they that they geek out and they need therapy, mm-hmm. but they never agree. Right? No, no, no. <laughs> you can't agree about that. Zook's not a big fan of the sports ball, though, so <laughs> he, yeah, and, you know, the the whole uh, secretly thinking that they need therapy. Growing up, I wasn't so secret about that, and that's probably why I ended up in lockers like I did, but oh. uh, <laughs> thankfully, yeah. I got to the point where I was too fat to fit, so it's good, so. so oh, okay, so that's a, that's a win. Um, I was a, secret, a I was win. a secretive geek. Doesn't win. Um, I was definitely a secretive geek. Um, I went to an all-girl private school. I was going to Star Trek conventions with my dad on the weekend. Thank you, Dad, for showing me the ways of science fiction and everything. Um, but I knew um, women can and young girls can be vicious to each other. Um, I knew to keep my mouth shut uh, during school hours and uh, and then secretly go read my Cheers Anthony and Dragon Lights and stuff um, on the fly. Um, now, and the world has changed. I'm very, I'm just so thrilled for uh, this whole generation who doesn't know, hopefully, what it's like to be shoved into a locker because of something they like, um, and that being a geek is cool now and not something that you have to hide. Uh, it's it's fascinating to me, absolutely fascinating. Now, unfortunately, we're coming up onto a new part of this generation, though, and we actually had this talk with Kristen as well, uh, and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll extend the question to you. With this whole new campaign, this crusade against quote-unquote fake geek girls, have mm-hmm. you ever run into issues with that? Have you ever been accused or hit that wall? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, all, I mean, all the time. And uh, for me for me personally, I mean, that that's a debate that we could we should get Kristen on and I'll come back on and Bonnie Burton and we'll get a whole bunch of people um, and that'll be six hours where we'll just talk and talk about it, and there'll not necessarily be any resolution. Um, But for me personally, uh, I've been accused of being a fake geek girl. I tend to try and be honest um, about the things I geek out over, and I don't try to um, fake it. Like, for example, I think we talked about in Vegas how I'm not a gamer. Um, I used to play D&D, and I loved it, um, but I am not up to date with any of the geek plastic stuff out there in the gaming world. Um, I don't try to pretend that I know stuff about that. I'm more interested in listening to people who are excited because that's their thing. Um, And we're very diversified as geeks. There's, you know, the people who love Star Trek versus, and I hope it's not versus anymore, people who love Star Wars on both. And, uh, you know, if you're just authentic about the stuff that you like, hopefully that comes across as genuine. Um, but, yeah, absolutely, I've had people say any number of things, you're too hot to be a geek, et cetera. And uh, there was a lovely article on uh, the man Sue uh, just before Christmas uh, that was written by a friend and colleague of mine, uh, Dr. Andrea Lemonati. I don't always say her name wrong, um, uh, which talked about the fake geek girl debate and uh, looked at microaggressions as... Um, you know, something that's happening within our industry. People are getting their backs up and, and having sort of a reaction to that whole labeling. And, uh, and it, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a different kind of ostracizing within the circle. And it shouldn't matter what you look like to love what you love. And I think as things get into the popular and mainstream, uh, you know, people get a little covetous or jealous um, 
you know, I listen to, like, for example, uh, you know, I knew about this band before they were big. Uh, and there's, unfortunately, a little bit of that going on in our community. But for me, the more people who love the stuff that we love, the more of it there's going to be. So I think everyone can come to the party, and whether you're an old geek or a new geek, great. Yeah, agreed. I think we uh, we actually did talk about it in Vegas, how you actually kind of went more towards the fantasy style. I'm more towards the sci-fi, mm-hmm. and that's okay. I don't try and fake my way into the fantasy discussions, and you don't try and do the same into the sci-fi, but we can still respect and enjoy each other for kind of both having that. Yeah, it's not so much then, important what wonderful... you have, but just that you have it. Exactly, and there's wonderful overlapping as well, you know, where, you know, I might have experience in fantasy and you have might have more experience in, um, you know, specific sci-fi brands and, you know, and then there are things that we know of because it's part of our communal geekdom, like Star Wars or Star Trek. And I forget you were on one side in your family not versus the other. When we chatted in Vegas, am I putting you yep. on the spot there? Yep, yep. Sorry, I... I I got distracted there. I actually found the article you were talking about. Oh, fantastic. Where, where your friend was, yeah, just pulling up the uh, the interview here on uh, uh, Star Wars and Wine. Yes, there you go. Yeah. The power of the internet prevails. I apologize. I'm going to put that here into the show notes. I'm a horrible host again. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the internet is a wonderful thing. So. Now, I, I think... One thing that's fascinating to me um, is the fact that, you know, you talked about how you grew up as a as a geek girl. I have two daughters. Zook has two daughters. You know, we're basically geek dads raising geek girls, whether our wives like it or not. Um, one, <laughs> of the, one of my proudest moments was I was watching um, Spider-Man on TV one day with my daughter, and my wife came in and, and said, you know, oh, so you're watching Spider-Man. Does he ever do something with Superman or I something along those lines, basically crossing the DC or Marvel universes? And my daughter looked up and said, Mom, Spider-Man's Marvel. Superman's DC. Come on. And I, I was just so proud. I, I knew that I had done something right at that point as a father. Uh, so, you know, how, how, what kind of advice do you have for people like Zook and myself who have daughters that are probably going to grow up to be geeks just because we well, are fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't underestimate the influence of a family or, or dads in, in our case. Um, my dad was influential in, in making me a geek, but moms can do it too. Um, you know, it, it, it just absolutely depends, but since we're talking about fathers and daughters here, I'll, I'll keep it to our um, experiences. And, uh, it, well, first of all, how gratifying for you. And, like, you telling that story, it's just amazing. It, it gives me chills, and you must have been so proud. And the the advice I would give to dads out there uh, dealing with daughters is, you know, just enjoy. It doesn't, like, not just enjoy it, but share what you enjoy with your daughters. Um, and, uh, and it's just geekdom and sci-fi or fantasy or, or whatever you might be, uh, you might geek out over, uh, share it. And, uh, they may respond to it, they may not, and you'll have more of an influence than, than you may know at the time. Um, 
my father took me to Comic-Con for the first time when I was eight. Uh, he was instrumental in showing me ElfQuest. Uh, I saw Star Wars and Star Trek because of him. Uh, when I came home with The Hobbit, he called it a baby book and gave me The Lord of the Rings, so I was reading that at 10. Um, and, uh, and then he got upset that I went too far down the fantasy road. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> he also gave me Dune and Asimov. And, you know, like, he loaded me down with the good stuff, I, you know. Um, but uh, uh, he, he, he was definitely more, is definitely more of a sci-fi guy. And a shout-out to my father, who's turning 70 on January 31st. Um, and, uh, and I owe him so much. Uh, so happy birthday in advance, Dad. Um, but, yeah, my advice would be just keep doing it. And even if it's something that you don't like, try, like, share with her what your, what your daughters are going through. Okay, Twilight may not be our cup of tea, but, but see what she is connecting with um, about it. And, uh, and also, I think conventions, you know, having, like, father-daughter things like that are, is just really terrific. One of um, my sort of memories is actually at WonderCon, uh, this past year at the Geek Girls Create panel, um, a guy stood up and he said, you know, I'm the dad of a geek, and she's here with me, and I'm sure she was absolutely mortified. And he said, you know, what should I, what should I do? Or I'm worried that the stuff is, is too racy. Um, and, uh, and our answer was unilaterally, he was like, how could I be a better, how can I be a better dad? And our answer was, well, you're already doing it. You're here with her. Um, participating and being present and listening to the stuff that she likes. And as well, the answer about the concern is what's too racy. Um, Paul and I were reading ElfQuest at age eight, and there are well, some adult subject matter in there. Um, there's a lot of, you know, uh, non-monogamous relationships going on and some suggested material. And, the elves uh, get their freak on. We, we can say do. that. They get their freak they, on, yeah. They do, they do. And, uh, and we just are, we just glossed over it. We saw, you know, beautiful images of art and bodies. And then when we came back to it as, as teenagers, we were like, how were we allowed to read this? But, you know, the child's mind passed over it. Um, and so that's, that's very interesting because, you know, that's a big debate about how, how much is too graphic too soon. And my experience was, you know, I identified with the fairy tale aspects of it when that's what I was capable of identifying with. And then as adults, I saw the more adult aspects. Um, and that's something that in the frozen page or the written word, uh, I think you can make the distinction about. Um, the visual medium, um, the, mo- the moving pictures, as they said once upon a time, uh, I think is slightly different. Slightly different, yeah. I, yeah. I just want to go back to your dad there. Shout out to dad. Happy birthday. <laughs> Um, a, a week early, but I was just thinking, you, you kind of said he was upset when you went too far down the fantasy route, and all of a sudden, I'm sorry, it, this is how my mind works, I just jumped back to that old uh, anti-drug PSA. You know, you're making these costumes, I don't know who you are anymore. Where, where'd you learn to do these things? Yeah. I learned it from watching you, Dad. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and you know, and he's a he's a fantasy guy too. And you know, he's been he read ElfQuest with me and stuff. But yeah, there, he was a, he was a little crestfallen. Um, but uh, you know, we we watched uh, Battlestar Galactica, the the reruns of the original, um, and Buck Rogers and all that and all that stuff. Um, and then you know, we're heavily into the new series. Um, but uh, yeah, dragons weren't his weren't his jam. You know, that's okay. You know, the new BSG, you can always just tell them it's just jag in space anyway. Uh, 
my my oldest daughter is four. I have older kids, but my oldest daughter is four, and so she's kind of at that funny stage where she and I will watch episodes of Star Trek, and like like kind of like Zoner's story about his daughter being able to specify, no, that's DC, this is Marvel. My wife walks in and goes, "You're watching Star Wars again," and my, my daughter's able to go, "No, those ships are from Star Trek. Those are Star Trek ships." Like she's able at to identify four. the ships, but awesome. at four, yeah. But then That's she flips awesome. around, and we watch My Little Pony together. And I found it's actually, I'm an honorary brony now because of my daughter. But I found it's actually just as important, not just to get them indoctrinated, if you will, but you know, immersed in what you like, but mm-hmm. also show that kind of devotion to what they like. Because I, I don't know who Twilight Sparkle is otherwise, or Rainbow Dash, but I, I want to be able to relate with her. I want to be able to talk with her. Yeah, otherwise... Definitely. It, that's that kind of enthusiasm for fantasy or sci-fi or, or just things that bring you joy like that that will eventually wear out and be grown out of, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. But for the time when they're, they're present, like the, the sharing, it's a two-way street. The sharing of what you're both enthusiastic about, you know, it takes down the generation gap, builds a stronger friendship and bond. It's, just, it's a really lovely thing to have things that you're both enthusiastic about. And kudos to you for being an honorary brony. Yep. I don't think there's anything honorary about it. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) he's he's a fan. He's a fan. I I tell you, the first time you see Rainbow Dash do a sonic rain boom, it blows your freaking mind, okay? (laughs) (laughs) So, and I'm like, I remember the, you know, it was the original. Like, and it's back again. And uh, growing up in Vancouver, um, Sanrio and Hello Kitty and um, the little twin stars were huge when I was a little girl. Um, and to see all that stuff come back again is just really incredible. They're, they're making clothes for adults in Hello Kitty stuff. That we, the, the things that we have now that we didn't have when we were little is absolutely mind-boggling. It's just not fair in a couple of ways. Um, and until you, I guess, have kids and you get to enjoy it again. So that will be fun. Oh, I, I wear my Avengers shirt more because my kids love it. Now, I, they've actually they've brought back things like that, not just like Hello Kitty and, and the Wonder Twins. My kids now, my sons and my daughters, are all watching the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh-huh. And I just find it funny. They're like, oh, you should have seen it. There's this turtle. Don't worry, Dad. His name's Leonardo. I'm like, okay. Sit your butts down. Let me tell you about the turtles. Great. It all comes back around. It's, you know, we're, I, I, we're having a bit of a, a geek renaissance, and you as a self-professed renaissance geek um, must really just be reveling in all of this. It's wonderful. Yeah, you know, that that reminds me, Zook. Uh, I was playing Super Mario 3, I think. Uh, we downloaded it for the Wii, and... My son saw me playing one day. He's like, holy crap, Dad, how do you know all this stuff? How are you so good at this? It's like, I've been gaming my whole life, boy. <laughs> this is nothing new to me like it is to you. It's, it's awesome. It's, I, I, I'm really enjoying this geek renaissance that we're, that we're having. We're, you know, part we're, of me, I mean, we're so lucky. Part of me does kind of worry. Like back in the day, fathers used to teach their sons or their daughters how to, you know, fix a car or, you know, bake a turkey or 
Wait, you don't bake turkeys, do you? Whatever no. you do with turkeys. Yeah, I hope you aren't teaching your children how to cook based on that, but go ahead. <laughs> but, but now all I have to offer is, yes, when uh, Lieutenant Data was disconnected, they had to reactivate him with a switch in his lower back. It's right here. <laughs> that, that, that's all I have to offer my children. So, well, well, I, I think that's just as valuable. Um, there'll be a whole generation that can't fix cars, um, but you know, we'll, we'll get by in the zombie apocalypse, so it won't be any gas anyway, so. And that is an excellent point. That is an excellent point. I mean. It's a little dark, but okay. <laughs> uh, you know what? That That's a great idea. We need to start more Walking Dead family home evenings. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, and, and walk, Walking Dead is an amazing example of, you know, that was a comic book property, and now it's a huge, colossal hit on television. Um, and, you know, the more we see comic book properties move to TV and film, um, the more wonderful that is. I, I was a fan of the, the graphic novels of The Walking Dead and, and seeing the way the show has departed from that and, you know, the, the plot lines and themes that it uses as well. Um, I'll tell you, that, that show, I was, I was on my way out in the second season and boy, did they come back strong this season. Um, very impressed by, by that season of that show, and uh, talk about a renaissance. Uh, what's happening in fantasy uh, in television right now is all goes my mind, um, or you know, geek stuff uh, genre. Uh, but once upon a time, uh, Jane Espenson shows, and you know, the whole uh, creators of that it is amazing. Uh, even a procedural like Grimm, uh, we're seeing you know fantasy elements in that. Fairy tales, uh, Game of Thrones, of course, um, really. Uh, I think changed the landscape, and I love those books, um, and uh, and just thrilled beyond belief to see HBO such do such a stellar job with that, and and change the books in a way um, that they need to to make it uh, more, you know, to make it television worthy. Um, right, right. And but the choices they've made have been fantastic, and and no spoilers here. But let me tell you, I'm so excited for season three, and I have bets out as to what episode nine will be and where they'll end because uh, they're splitting Storm of Swords into two seasons and, you know, being very careful what you can and can't talk about with people um, and watching that show create fans out of that series and people in between the seasons are going back and reading the books to get ahead and spend time with the characters that they are have newly gotten to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they don't what? have the experience of waiting for the new book to come out for years. Um, I, I remember 15, 20 years ago when the thought of you know watching a movie or watching a TV show, it was really novel. It was almost, um, it was really interesting to turn to the person next to you and say, you know, this used to be a comic book. Kind of like this, you know, this legitimizes it. Can you believe this? This you're watching and enjoying, this used to be a comic book. And now, you know, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a property that was at one point a graphic novel or a radio serial. I mean, maybe not radio serial. We've kind of moved past the shadow and the phantom. But, you know, back in the day, it was like we had a really a bunch of lackluster shows that came out. You know, this used to be a comic book, and they'd say, well, yeah, I can tell. But now you had things like Cowboys and Aliens. You had uh, The Walking Dead. You had, you had Men in Black. Most mm-hmm. people didn't know that was a comic book. Exactly. So I, I think it's just really amazing we've we've hit that level of saturation, mm-hmm. and and hopefully, in the near future we will have Elfquest as well. 
Um, I would like that. So it was a, it was a very exciting day for us when uh, Variety announced that we had acquired the film and TV rights for that property, and uh, it's the 35th anniversary this year, and uh, just you know, hopefully, wonderful, exciting things are in the mix in the imminent future. About that, so there you have another example. Yeah, uh, we need to take a quick break here uh, to mention our sponsor. Uh, they don't mind if we do this in the middle, so I hope you don't mind if we take a quick break here. But Go for it. we are. This episode is brought to you by our sponsors at Squarespace.com. Uh, Squarespace.com provides the easiest, the best, the most affordable way to create the best-looking site you can imagine. They'll help you create it with their new uh, Layout Engine 6. It is uber-powerful. Zoner's used it. I've used it. We've all used it. Stephanie, you have not used it, but you should. You should <laughs> use it. Uh, you can sign up, get two weeks free, and if you use the offer code SDP1, that's Stolen Droids Present 1, or just go to squarespace.com slash SD, you can get 10% off. They're already awesome prices. Uh, again, that's squarespace.com. We, uh, we endorse them because we do believe in them. They are quite awesome. You should check it out, too. So thank you for that little interlude there. Now and, back to our regularly scheduled. And we're back. <laughs> when, I say, when I say I'm giving us a break, I'm really lying. I'm not giving us a break at all. Um, well, when you said the break, I was like, ooh, a timeout. Excellent. And then I started writing down the code. So um, and I got distracted, too. I'll send you a, I'll send you a link. Yeah, thank now, you. Now, I was using we, the old rudimentary pen and paper, if you can believe it. I, I know. What's this paper you speak of? Don't you know that I trees know. are, you know, you're killing it's, a tree when I could just be burning coal to send it to you? I'm writing on recycled paper that I will then recycle, which I know doesn't solve the problem at all, but yeah. <laughs> send me the link. Now, I, I asked you a question when we met in Vegas, and you mentioned it again here just a little bit ago, but what do you think about some of these properties that are too sexy or I mean where's the line drawn there are those out there who fight the good fight but go in my opinion a little bit too far and demonize a lot of these female characters or female properties that you know say Witchblade Witchblade for instance strong female character lead character uh, mm -hmm. she's a police officer she is also the holder of the Witchblade she's a superhero with the mystical powers and her costume shows a lot of skin. Yeah. It's a McFarlane property, of course. Or actually, is I don't know if it's a McFarlane property, but it looks like it. <laughs> you know, it, it does. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to uh, go down that road, per se. But, yes. Um, yeah. I mean, what would you say to people who would, who would rally out against that? Or, or do you agree with them? Um, well, we talked about this a little bit in Vegas. And... Um, for me, uh, I, you know, it, it's it's tricky, but um, you know, the art the artists are male, and in any kind of medium, we're we're talking. I'm going to go with tiny bit feminist, but there's a bit of we're talking about the male gaze and the male artist eye, and you can look at any kind of art form from again before the Renaissance through to now, and there's stuff that. Any, that people would consider too racy or too much skin or shocking. Um, and uh, I think now as we're seeing more artists that are, are female and storytellers and creators and crafters, that, that male gaze is changing, you know, uh, in a lot of cases. Uh, or not a lot of cases, but, you know, it's, it's getting a little bit more balanced. For me personally, the, how much clothing or how little you wear 
doesn't change whether or not you're an empowered female. Uh, in the case of a witch blade, for example, um, clothing doesn't dictate your your inner personality or your characteristics or your moral values per se. It's it's your actions and it's your heart. I'm I'm getting a little bit uh, <laughs> a little bit ideological there, but uh, but for me, um, if I if the art speaks to me, then I'll be interested in the series. Um, but not everything is necessarily my cup of tea. Um, depending on the art. And I think, you know, we are lucky to have such a wide spectrum of different visual styles uh, that that we can find what we like within it. Uh, that's sort of a convoluted way of saying you're drawn to stuff that speaks to you. And, and yeah, mm-hmm. there's some stuff that's far too racy out there for my taste, but that's probably somebody else's taste. And... and uh, I'm sort of a, let's all just sort of get along. Um, I'm much more, uh, the violence, sometimes the violence has disturbed me a lot more than the, the sexualization, although that can be very, very tricky too. So I gave you a meandering answer there. But hopefully there's a, there's a sort of a kernel of it's what is on the inside that counts as to whether or not you're an empowered female. Um, I get you. Oh, no, I, I think I understand what you're saying there. I I realize you, you kind of mentioned that you don't know a lot a lot of uh, comic book trivia. That was actually uh, <laughs> David, who you also introduced us to, who we hope to get on a later show. You mentioned him before yes. with the Night of the Zombie King. We hope to get him next yes. month. David, uh, but, absolutely fantastic. But in kind of an example of that to uh, to to listeners who we've brought this up before, when they rebooted uh, the fifty two, no, yeah, fifty two DC, yeah, when DC rebooted and the new Starfire. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, well, I, yeah. have, um, I am a huge Teen Titans fan, and uh, I actually, here's the story for you. When I was a little girl, I wanted to grow up to be Starfire, um, because I'm a brunette. I uh, tended towards the brunette role models, and I felt Wonder Woman was overdone. This is already me being, uh, you know, judging on the basis of hair color, and uh, bad little girl, and uh I gravitated towards the Teen Titans. Um, Nightwing was my first crush. I liked him as, uh, I liked Dick Grayson as Robin, and when he walked out in that Nightwing con- costume with the disco V Nightwing, um, I was smitten. And um, I wanted to be Starfire desperately. And as I grew up a little bit, I realized I wasn't going to have the <clears throat> assets to quite pull that off. Never mind that she's from another planet. No, no. Um, you mean flight, certain... right? What's that? <laughs> you, you, when you say assets, you mean flight and starbolts, right? Totally, totally. Yes. Yeah, totally. Um, but I realized that uh, there were certain areas I might be lacking in that those departments. Uh, and so my role model switched to the Scarlet Witch, who is a totally non... more a normal body type, but has her own of dysfunctions and uh but is a very interesting dynamic character as well so um that was well, a way that was a way of saying these are my comic book likes from the past and comic book trivia actually it's trivia in general i'm not one of those geeks who will tell you well on season four episode 14 um before the second act break this line is said i i i'm not good at doing that um there's a lot of stuff I watched, um, and in fact, I, I just was flipping through the television trying to 
record the following, and uh, an episode of season six of Buffy was on, and I couldn't remember if this was season five or season six, and I was trying to figure out where it was, and thank goodness we have the internet and DVR and all that stuff that tells us. And it was two hours later, two episodes later, and I was like, I need to rewatch all of Buffy. But who has the time? That's hours and hours of television that I would gladly give over to, to rewatch that. And boy, I love that series when it was out, and I can't believe it. The episode I was watching came out in, in 2002. I couldn't believe it. It's been a lifetime. Makes you feel a little bit older. But, you know, when we compare the new, the new Starfire, because they redid yeah, her, yeah. and now she's, she's kind of a mindless sex slave who... I can't stand her on print. But you compare her to the new Batgirl, who we also discussed, the new Batgirl comics. Yes. Um, and uh, I love Gail Simone, and uh, I'm really thrilled about the new arc. Um, actually, uh, Dr. Andrea appears in issue 16 of the new Batgirl um, as herself. She has been canonized in uh, Gotham City and um, the, the Batman world canon. Um, so th- there was much celebrating when, when that happened. How amazing to have yourself made into a comic book character, right? Um, so uh, Batgirl is, is it, you know, a personal interest to me because of, of that. And, uh, but I went to the New 52 with the new Starfire. And just to wrap up this, this line of discussion, um, on uh, my two cents, is uh, I was excited to see what they were going to do with her. And I, I didn't care for it. I didn't stick with it. And I've had friends who say it had gotten better than the first couple of issues. But when that first came out, her outfit was um, not just the outfit, but the style of the art, et cetera, um, you know, had a outcry from the geek girl community, um, and uh, up, up until that point, uh, several people were suggesting that, why not cosplay a turret? I'm like, no, no, I will cosplay the Scarlet Witch, but I think Starfire is a little too much for me to pull off in a way I feel would do justice to that character, um, but that, that's me. So, um, And here I am actually looking at pictures of you dressed as the Scarlet Witch. There you go. You can you can find them on the interwebs. Um, that's my favorite thing to uh, a favorite character to cosplay as. And uh, I was actually um, uh, immortalized as cosplayer of the month by a t-shirt company, an amazing t-shirt company, I should say. This is my plug called We Love Sign, um, who make really great soft t-shirts. Um, and they did a Scarlet Witch edition that I actually wore at. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con this past year, I was on a panel called uh, The Most Dangerous Women at Comic-Con with um, amazingly fantastic people uh, like Kristen Meadowcat and Bonnie Burton and Claire Kramer and uh, Mylan Sari from Team Unicorn. And it was, I think, about 12 of us, so I won't try and list everybody, uh, talking about, um, you know, being a female content creator from gaming to the web to television shows to writing um, and uh, how we as, as geek women, geek girls are having a, a wonderful a, just a wonderful time and how empowering and exciting it is. Now before we run out of too much time we still got another 10 minutes here but uh, let's discuss really quick some of your panels here. You were on Geek Girls Create. Mm-hmm. Yes. What can you tell us about that? Oh I mean it's it's just wonderful. This is, um, again, with uh, Kristen Meadowpack and Crix Lee, and we had Teal Shearer on, uh, who just won um, Best Actress for her series, Mike and Life, and Sean Becker, who also 
directs the Guild, directs that show, and he won for Best Director. Um, really delightful series. Um, she was up at GeekGirlCon with us doing the Geek Girl Create panel. Uh, and we talk about um, how we took things that we loved and made shows out of them, made projects out of it. So for Teal, um, she is in a wheelchair and how you know she created a show that follows her exploits as she goes through life, um, more or less. And Kristen is, you know, a heavy gamer, and she loves her Skyrim, and she's doing uh, these the wonderful Skyrim parody series um, that was also nominated for Best Costumes, um, along with Shelf Life uh, at the IAWTV Awards. And we, um, neither of us won. We lost to The League of Steam, which is a fantastic uh, steampunk web series uh, that everyone should check, check out. The costumes are fantastic, so we were happy is maybe not the right word, but, you know, honored to lose to them. Um, they're a great group, group of, of people as well. Um, and Steampunk, wow. Mind-blowing how popular that is, too. So, um, Strange how I that's coming back. It is. It's back in a big way. Um, uh, so the Geek Girls Create panel, we, we talk about all our, our shows and the genesis of them and, and how we got them made and encourage people to sort of give them a bit of an ABCD of how to uh, create their own stuff as well, too. Um, and so we've done that at a number of con geek girls, um, as Geek Girl Con and WonderCon um, and Kamikaze have been ones that we've done it at uh, a couple of times. And uh, hopefully more this coming year. Um, yeah, and uh, we had a, an ElfQuest panel to Comic-Cons ago, um, where, you know, we had all the elves from the trailer there, and we were up with Wendy and Richard Kinney. We premiered the ElfQuest fan trailer at WonderCon before that and had the premiere of uh, the fan trailer at uh, the Screen Actors Guild. They had their first red carpet for us, which was absolutely amazing. Um, Sydney Media has been fantastic to ElfQuest and Paula and I. And um, it's just, I really love going to the cons and, and sharing my story with people and getting to listen to other people talk about what they're excited about as well. Now, do you have a favorite con that you like going to? Is there one that every year you're like, I've got to be at this particular one? Um, I think, you know, honestly, WonderCon has become that for me. Um, San Diego can just be too big and too overwhelming. I, I remember it before it got too bloated and then it, it reduced a little bit, but there's so much to see, so many so many people and things to see, so much to do. It's hard to do everything, and it's very exhausting, and then everyone gets sick afterwards. But, yeah, I, I think WonderCon. I'm going to Emerald CityCon, um, I think, fingers crossed, uh, for the first time. Uh, there will be, we've, we're pretty sure, the announcement hasn't come out yet officially, um, an ElfQuest panel there to celebrate the 35th anniversary, so there's a little scoop for you. Um, and uh, so that will be really fun. I haven't been to that one up in Seattle, and I'm excited. People have great things to say about about that con. You know, I actually work with a couple guys who go up to that one every year, and I, I hope to make it up one of these years, but they say that that is by far the their favorite just because it's it's still about the comics and about the content as opposed to Hollywood hijacking it. So Yeah. So. Are you guys saying that you liked the con before it became big? Are yeah. you guys con hipsters? Yeah, we're, we're like con yeah, hipsters, yeah, exactly. I, I, liked, I liked SDCC 10 years ago before everyone liked SDCC. Oh, my God. 
please shoot me in the head right now. (laughs) (laughs) Before we run out of time, and (laughs) sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, uh, I I told this story on the Dangerous Women panel. I'll keep it really brief. Again, like, tip of the hat to my dad. Um, We used to get to visit Disneyland when I was a little girl, and I went back to Disneyland for the first time in years, um, which is a wonderful experience. I went with them. Uh, a bunch of the founding members of the League of Extraordinary Ladies, um, which is something that people should check out. It's DLXL.com. And uh, we try and have events that foster, um, you know, meeting people in real life as well because we're all behind our computers a lot of the time. And uh, we're trying to, you know, foster a a larger sense of community. And it's open to both women and men, even though it's called the League of Extraordinary Ladies. It's about, you know, supporting all things Thin, but you know, female-oriented, etc. And uh, we have some fun parties and stuff. Um, and so I went with a group of them to Disneyland for the first time, and I fell in love with it all over again. We rode Star Tours as much as we could to try and get all the different combinations. And flashback, when I was a little girl, um, we used to take trips down from Vancouver here to, to Anaheim to, to Disneyland. And uh, one year, my dad was like, we're going to California. And I was like, great, got my Mickey Mouse ears on. I bought R2-D2 ones this time around, and um, and instead of going to Disneyland, we ended up in San Diego, and I felt so ripped off, and my dad said to me, and I'm eight years old, he's like, no, no, I've got something better than Disneyland, and he took me to San Diego Comic-Con, and he was right, <laughs> um, <laughs> and that, that made me that made me a geek. That was during that trip where I first encountered ElfQuest as well, but, uh, you know, the con community, when you're around people who speak the same language as you, it's really wonderful, and that's why the League of Extraordinary Ladies, we're trying to keep that con vibe going where people can speak in shorthand, much like you guys do with stolen droids and talking about the stuff that you love, and, uh, you know, as well with a new series that I'm working on with Jennifer Landa, who is a fantastic Star Wars fan. She's a great person. Um, we're co-hosting a new series called SlumberCon, where, surprise, surprise, we're um, hanging out with geeky guests um, in our uh, geeky t-shirts and pajamas, uh, keeping that uh, con vibe alive with geeky drinks and, you know, how to throw theme parties and, and talking with people that, that we adore. Um, and uh, this justifies the work expense uh, because I have a geeky tea addiction. So I get to wear <laughs> as many as I can on the show so they have served their purpose. Um, but, man, I'll tell you, between We Love Fine and Too Fury and Threadless and that you can buy T-shirts on your phone, dangerous stuff. Dangerous. It's like crack, isn't it? it? A little like crack. And, like, did we have access to all these wonderful T-shirts and the mashups that they're doing when we were younger? No! We're so lucky, and, and we get to wear them now. It's awesome. Well, and, you know, speaking of geeky pajamas, I'm currently wearing Batman pajamas, so... <laughs> I knew, I knew I adored you for a reason. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm rocking the Batman pajamas at the moment. You know, it's funny because at Christmas Eve we have my family over, and my sister and her husband we we have a tradition where we all open up a pair of pajamas, and they both oh, open up bat they both open up Batman pajamas, and I was so jealous just sitting there Aww. thinking, I wish I had Batman pajamas, and I open up mine, and my wife had bought me Batman pajamas. It was wonderful. That's, that's so terrific. I love this part of, of the of our chat where we talk about what we're wearing. So I know what you're wearing. I'll tell you what I'm wearing. 
uh, which is an Art Nouveau Princess Leia t-shirt. Oh, in, nice. Uh, with a Cloud City sort of background and border, a uh, light blue, and it's no surprise from We Love Fine. So that's that's what I'm wearing, everybody. Nice. You, you actually love t-shirts so much. There's actually a section of her site, I'm telling the listeners <laughs> here. You have a geeky tea of the week. I do. I, I do. I have I have a bit of a problem. You know how earlier you're saying you need therapy about the action figures. Well, I think you guys found my Achilles heel, um, and uh, I I just started doing that for fun. And I have uh, you know a number of uh, it started as friends and now uh, t-shirt companies who send me their t-shirts and they're like, take a picture wearing it. And uh, there's a, a comic book store called Brian's Comics that is opening I think as we speak in Petaluma. And uh, he's the one who did that fantastic uh, uh, Wayne slash Grayson uh, 2012 black T-shirt that I'm wearing. Um, and uh, it says their logo is Tough on Crime. And uh, being Canadian, I, I, I can't vote here. I'm a permanent resident alien. Um, and so that was my show of support and being political as much as I could be. I could vote for the imaginary Wayne-Grayson combo. Uh, I'd vote for that. Mind, wouldn't you know? They would be at one time. Yeah, he had some wonderful series of those. Um, I think it was uh, a, a Xavier and uh, and Wanda's dad um, uh, for president in I think like sixty sixty eight or whatever. And I forget what their logo was, but building uh, a better future or something. Um, it was yeah. really perfect. You would actually be the second Canadian uh, we've had on the show after uh, Graham Stark from Loading Ready Run. So we're oh, making all okay. sorts of headways up to our northern neighbor. Loading Except Ready Run actually is down a great, here. Show. <laughs> great show. See, I'm, actu- I'm actually wearing Bruce Wayne pajamas. Mine are just made of money. Oh, It's not quite as go. comfortable, but it's the matching set to the Batman is it, ones. Is it actually like what denomination of bills? Oh, like, they're all thousands. Money sewn together? Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's, 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 pretty, that's too rich for my blood. So. Well, they're very. Yeah, these are dry clean only pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> if people want to get well, a hold of, uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, you dropped that there for a second. Sorry. Oh yeah, I wormhold. Uh, <laughs> if people want to reach you, uh, you're at the Stephanie Thor- the Steph Thorpe on Twitter, mm-hmm. and at the Steph Thorpe on Twitter. Yep, and uh, the Stephanie Thorpe. Uh, that's i e dot com online. Exactly, and you can find all the information about the shows that I've done in the past, what I have upcoming. Um, I have a couple of um, roles coming up uh, in front of the camera that I'm really excited about, one I can't talk about yet that will be um, in a larger screen than the web, Um, and then a series called Legendary where I get to play an elf queen again, coming back to the elves, uh, coming up in the future. And uh, debuting in February or March is a series that I produced and... um, guest starring called The Ladies and the Gents, and you can find that at theladiesandthegents.com, and that uh, is a wonderful uh, comedy that brings together probably about a hundred of the, of what we like to call web celebs, or um, web talent um, as directors and writers, and we shot 40 episodes of that um, before the end of the year, over two weekends, um, and it takes place in a nightclub women's restroom and men's restroom and uh, the women's section was all written and directed by women and the guys stuff all written directed by guys but that happens a lot so that's not as notable um, but it really funny short um, episodes that you know 
tie in together and uh, all from the perspective of behind the behind the sink and uh, with the bathroom attendant and some good fun stuff. So um, very excited to see that come out. Excellent. Well, Stephanie, we've had an absolute joy having you on the show. I hope to have okay. you again on soon, actually. I think it would be great to, to have a repeat. Absolutely. Again. Well, I'd love to chat about uh, more stuff about ElfQuest and the developments. We have some very exciting things in the works, and uh, Paul and I are actively assembling our team to uh, make sure we can reach new people um, and have them fall in love with it, like you did. Great. Well, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, Stephanie Thorpe. See you next time on Stolen Droids Present. Bye, everyone. It was so great chatting with you guys.